0: guys and welcome back to Let's Be Open. So in today's episode we're going to be talking about how to have deeper connections within your relationships and also this is applicable if you're single at the moment, Um, you can use it in your dating life or even just with friendships. Um, But yeah so this is going to be about how to become more self-aware and basically lead to a better relationship with your partner. So first of all we're going to start off talking about um, social masks and trauma masks um, because these do affect you when you're dating someone and when you meet someone so a social actually Tris is quite good at explaining the explaining the social mask so oh, do, you, <laughs> do you want to explain what a social mask is and how it might affect us when we're like dating someone
1: yeah so a social mask is a very interesting thing actually a social mask is the mask that you put on to the world when you go out in social situations. So your social mask is is not necessarily you. Your social mask can be who you think in the world will look at you and think you're cool or think you're high value. It's that, that fake mask that you're putting onto the world in order to gain that external validation. So that's what a social mask is. So a lot of the time we put this mask on, however, it's not really us. We're putting it on for that external validation, and um, this is a terrible thing to be doing. Um, a lot of people do this at the beginning of relationships, at the beginning of dating. People do this because you're going out with a girl. You want to make sure that you're you're similar to her. You want to tick all the boxes Impressive. she's got in her head. She's got in her head the sort of guy she's looking for. So you think, oh, if I say this, if I agree with her, and just pretend that I'm this, and pretend that I'm that, oh, she's really gonna want to date me. And this sort of thing, it works short term. It works for if you want to, if you just want to fuck this girl and you're trying to manipulate, it's manipulative essentially doing this sort of stuff. So putting these social masks on may get you what you want in the short term. However, you may end up in a relationship with this person and that incongruency with who you're pretending to be and who you really are is a really bad thing because I know people that have been in relationships for for months on end and the people at the start of the relationship have pretended to be all this, the outgoing, the the person that loves fun, going, yeah. yeah, doing extreme sports or going clubbing. And months down the line, one of them wants to carry on doing those things because that's who they, they truly are. And the other one's going, oh, no, I don't want to do that. I can't be asked. But you're so deep into that relationship, you end up having to, well, you, you've, you've made your bed almost. Yeah. You think, hang on a sec, this isn't the person that I started dating. However, you're in so deep with them. And they certainly seem to have changed. And it's not that they have actually changed inside most of the time. The thing that's going on there is that they've pretended to be something they've not from the start. So it really is setting you up for disaster. And also, it's very interesting that the person that's putting on this social mask, it may work for you in the short term. You may think, oh, this is great. I'm now going out with this person I wanted to go out with. But long term, you'll be thinking... I don't want to be with this person that wants to go out clubbing all the time. I'm the person that wants to stay indoors mm-hmm. all of the time. So those social masks are essentially pointless things and you need to really try and we all really need to try and reduce the social mask and be who we are, show who we are to the world rather than putting on this facade. Mm-hmm. It really is a, not a good thing at all.
0: And also there was the example the other way around where you almost don't realise you don't. So the Timmy, little Timmy example with the shyness... Yeah. So that can't be intentional, can it? That example that you were talking about.
1: Oh, little Timmy. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got this. Um. I've got this theory that um, you know some of us are introverts, some of us are extroverts. Whatever it may be, however, how much of that comes from our childhood and our trauma? So when you see see little little Timmy out in town, who's he's just a shy guy that doesn't want to. I better give Julian credit. This is a, a little Timmy come from a, a guy called Julian himself, a really good guy actually on uh, on YouTube. Follow him. He's got some really good content. But he was talking about little Timmy in the in the way that little Timmy is the guy that's the shy guy in the corner of the room and he doesn't want to talk to anyone. He's, he's nervous around people. And is that really little Timmy? Or is that because some things have happened in his life? He doesn't feel accepted. He may have been traumatized when he was younger. So he comes across an introvert, but possibly he's actually not an introvert. Maybe there's some, some deep, deep trauma inside that's causing him to be that introverted person, but possibly he's not. So this is another thing. Maybe you could call it a trauma mask. Some people come across in a certain way, they don't even know that their intention, they may not be intentionally doing it, but they're so traumatised, they're coming across less introverted, more introverted, even more extroverted than they otherwise would be because they've got this trauma that's come from their childhood and situations that have happened in their life.
0: Yeah, so that, that can lead quite nicely on to the next point. So going back to the social marks, just basically the point from that is don't, you know, be careful of the mask that you put on because otherwise... You know, you could end up in a relationship that's not with someone that you really suit. Obviously, like mm. you want to kind of impress people when you're dating or, you know, whatever, but it's better to be more yourself and maybe put someone off dating you because you will attract someone who. I mean, I noticed that with dating with guys because I'm quite um forward with things. A lot of guys don't like that, but I think Tris was like you know okay yeah I can put up with a girl being like this whereas a, a lot of people would tell me oh Chloe you shouldn't have said that you shouldn't ask the guy when the next date is because then he'll think you're like this and I'm like yeah but I am like that and I'm going to be like that in a relationship I'm going to be saying when am I next seeing you and if a guy doesn't like that it's like fuck that I can't date a girl like who asks those questions mm. then it's not going to work but at least Tris from the get go knew that right this girl likes to plan things <laughs> like cannot, do I want to date her if she does that like you can make a decision rather than me be pretending I'm like yeah i'm so chilled out <laughs> and then six months down the line you're like fuck this <laughs>
1: well there's no there's no game playing there is yeah, there there's yeah. no there's no bullshit there yeah exactly it's this is who i am take it or leave it So yeah. it's a brilliant thing there's no other way to be really
0: yeah
1: and that traumatized example yeah slightly different you may not realize that you're you are traumatized but you may be coming across the world, say introverts, a really good example, is Lil Timmy. If Lil Timmy had no trauma at all, would he be the person that's really shy, doesn't want to talk to anyone, doesn't want to go out and socialise? He could be, he could be. But chances are, if he worked through his trauma, that trauma mask would break away, it would disappear. Mm. And he'd be more himself. And chances are, he'd be more extroverted. Yeah. So and the, the funny thing with these things is... Trauma mask, social mask, half of the time you may not even know that you're wearing it. Yeah, yeah. You, may, you may be wearing a social mask and you've worn it for so long, you've been trying to be this this something, this confident person, but you may not even be it deep inside. Yeah. And the trauma mask is exactly the same thing. You may not know that you have that trauma, but you're coming across to the world introverted. But if you worked through it, which is a really important thing that we could touch on today, if you can work through that trauma, you may be a more happy person in yourself. You may be more confident, confident. You may be less worried about external validation and therefore just come across not as yeah. shy.
0: So a trauma mask we um isn't actually like a thing you can't look it up in the dictionary. We just sort of made it up because we both notice ourselves doing it in our relationship. Where um and when we say trauma, by the way, we don't mean Tris and I have been like literally traumatized or something. It's to do with uh, your inner child, so your belief from when you were children um your some people call it your shadow self um anything that basically in the first seven years of your life has affected you to how you perceive reality or how you perceive yourself Um, Mm -hmm. and we all have different kinds of wounding some of us it's um you know not feeling good enough or fear of rejection fear of abandonment all these different things and when you have that in a relationship the problem is you sometimes don't know if you're being you or you're acting out of your trauma um, so an example could be if Triss says to me I don't want to see you for a week because I'm really really busy with work my own trauma is a fear of abandonment so I could think oh my god this is the end of the world like to learn act out from that and think that's me and think that's normal like how I'm acting and that's okay but it's not that is coming from a trauma place and mm. it's not me that's not congruent with who i really am it's like of course i'm fine if just what is busy we work for a week it's not the end of the world but the trauma is like oh no that's a problem mm. um so it's being really when you're in a relationship being really aware of that and if your partner can work on that as well it's even more amazing because you can have an even more deeper connection with each other rather than your mm. trauma kind of playing out with each other
1: yeah and so many of these um so many of these things we don't even know that we have them. So these uh, these traumas, these woundings come from our experiences in the first seven years, generally speaking, and generally from your parents, your parents, the way that they act in situations where you are not feeling very good and they may criticize you. They may abandon, they may leave the room and not talk to you for, for 24 hours, stuff like that. This is where they will come from. And actually realising where you do these things in your adult life is very difficult to find out a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find out these things.
0: Yeah, and actually being in a relationship is the best place to work on this stuff. Because when you are really close to someone, they are like a mirror of you and they trigger you more than anyone because um, you're mm. with them so much and you you see all the stuff that irritates you like oh why are they doing that it's so annoying and then you feel yourself getting annoyed and you're like oh my god why am i annoyed i should just live on my own and then i would never be annoyed but it, it's better to have someone who brings that up and you see that sort of stuff
1: yeah because that sort of stuff comes up in other areas mm. of life as well mm. you know you may be not a very carefree and chilled out person and you may work through these things in relationship, and then it comes through in your personal life, and you become more carefree around everyone.
0: Yeah, yeah, and your friendships become better, your work relationships. If you're like you know working with people in your job, your relationships with them becomes better. Mm. Um,
1: yeah, so you can work on these things. Generally speaking, these things happen in in arguments and times of conflict. So these things do happen with. With friends, I've got a couple of close friends who I have these sorts of situations with. However, with most people that you're not in a deep relationship with, which is most friends, you don't get triggered in quite the same way. So it's harder to pick up on these things and then work through Mm -hmm. them. But there may be subtle little things that you notice in your friendships.
0: And another thing to notice when you're dating as well, particularly like your trauma mask, is um, I know a lot of people, girls and guys, who are afraid of commitment because they're actually scared that if they commit to someone and become vulnerable and close to someone, that person will end up hurting them because they've been hurt in the past. Maybe their parents are treating them badly when they're younger. So they're actually scared of getting into a deep relationship. So then when they're dating, they act quite badly or um, they're not being true to themselves. Basically, they might really like someone, but they're like, oh, I can't commit because, oh my God, what if this person fucks me over and then I'll be heartbroken. So I'm just going to not date and I'll just avoid it or whatever. Um and that again, that's not being true to you, and that doesn't lead to deep connections with people. And people pick up on that. Mm. Um. So working on that. Another example: if you're fearful of rejection, you might be more needy when you're dating because you're like, "Oh, I don't want this person to leave. I need this person to stay." Again, that's not being really you. That's just your trauma. So working through that will help with dating and relationships. Um, mm. all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, you you probably have known people in in your life that cannot be single for any amount of time they just have to latch on to one person mm-hmm. then it breaks up and they latch on to the next person and you've got to think with this there is probably something going on there that's that's problematic there's probably some trauma there where they these people cannot be on their own mm-hmm. they can't be on their own possibly i mean it must be something from childhood not comfortable on their own so therefore have to be with someone and that someone can be anyone and it's so funny because you see you see some people that are so not right for each other, and some of these people obviously may may just be seemingly not right to each other, but they actually are yeah but um if you just if you just pick the first person that comes along because you're so fearful of being alone, which is that trauma that trauma mask that you don't even know you've got most of yeah. the time, are you really going to be happy in ten years' time if you're still together with someone that has completely different goals and ideas on the world to you? Um, and you've just latched onto it through your trauma. So that's why breaking down that trauma is so important because chances are you will never have that perfect or even very good relationship if you're just... Chasing the next person to come along.
0: Mm-hmm. And obviously, that doesn't mean you have to wait for the 100% perfect person because the 100% person doesn't exist unless you are 100% perfect and they're a reflection of you. If you're not perfect, you're not going to find a perfect partner. However, don't settle for like 40% perfect. Try and at least look for like 80% because I have known of people and, and myself as well where you've settled for someone who's like, yeah, like, they tick quite a lot of boxes. I'll go for that, like, 60% okay. And then, yeah, like, five months down the line, you think, oh, actually, like, I shouldn't have settled for this because it's not fulfilling me at all.
1: Yeah, and if you're going to aim high and you want that 100% well-rounded individual to be your partner, guess what? You've got to be that well-rounded yeah. individual yourself. And so many people, oh, I, you know... Girls and guys, oh, I choose the worst sorts of guys, all of this kind of stuff. And it's always the other person is the person that's always wrong. I mean, firstly, it's um a little bit of dropping the ego there mm-hmm. needs to happen to realise maybe the person, the people that I'm relating with are reflections of me and maybe if I worked on certain things I would attract people that are the same value as me because that nearly always happens whenever you are in a relationship you are very similarly balanced with people in regard to characteristics looks all of these things level out and you're on the same same playing field so a tramp is not gonna be going out with Will Smith. Do you know what I mean? Someone that's successful in so many avenues of life, is good looking, is intelligent, is charismatic, all of these things, they're not gonna be going out with a tramp. And the tramp saying, oh, I can never find a decent decent person. It's like, but you need to work on you, work on you, work on everything. And if you become that person that has all of those brilliant characteristics, you will attract someone great. So the onus is on yourself to do the work instead of blaming other people. Look at yourself, introspect, realise there's things that I can do to be a better human, to attract better humans. And guess what? You'll have a better relationship. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the time, humans struggle to drop the ego and just constantly blame the other for the for the things that go wrong in their life. And it does take a bit of balls to drop the ego and say, I'm wrong and I can do better and there's things that I can work on. And that is one of the fundamental principles that we're talking about here. If you want to make your relationship better, you have to be able to do that. You have to be able to say, I'm wrong. In yeah. every single argument that you have, we both know there's always a part that you can play where you can play it better.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that was going to be one of our points, actually. So we can just discuss that now is that um to have a deeper connection with your partner, you need to need to be able to drop the ego. Because like Tris just said, in arguments, If you don't drop the ego, you're going to be constantly... I've actually been learning about this in my life coaching course. There's your ego defence mechanisms, which are from your childhood. It's how you've survived when you were age zero to four. Unfortunately, they're in your subconscious a lot of the time and they are very deep-rooted, so you will react subconsciously to things. But once you've reacted, at least pulling yourself back and being like, shit, I've just reacted like this and apologising quick before it spirals... And I think, like, Tris and I, you know, it's been, like, what, two and a half years, and it's only been in the last, like, like six months to a year where we've realised it's so much better to drop the ego and just say, this is what I'm sorry for. And normally, the other person is like, yeah, I fucked up too. Rather than just trying to make this this battle of, like, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, because it's just not going to go anywhere and also Mm. it takes two to argue takes two to tango one's triggered the other whatever you're both going to be wrong in some part one might be slightly more wrong in an argument but yeah dropping the ego is is really really important in in conflict situations and a lot of people think arguing and conflict is bad but someone once told me that conflict is growth wanting to happen and I always remember that and I think that's so true obviously it depends how you have conflict if you're going to be beating yourself each other up that's not good (laughs) but if you can have a Kind of heated argument that can be calmed down. Drop your egos and talk about things. It's not. It's not a problem to have conflicts in your relationship at all. Like it's just how you handle it. Mm. Um, and that's one of the ways to do it is dropping the ego, not getting defensive.
1: Yeah, the the ego thing is so interesting because so many arguments in life are people not being able to take criticism because they so desperately want to defend so instead of an argument being instantly what have I done wrong here it's I want to show this person that they've done wrong here and it's this constant it becomes less about the the subject of what's going on and more about your ego wanting to win the argument so you end up not even talking about the content not even talking about where you could be better it's just I'm going to make this person see that they've done wrong rather than I'm going to take responsibility for what I've done wrong. And if you can drop your ego enough, you can realise what you've done wrong sooner and the conflict will stop sooner and it will resolve sooner and you won't be doing the same things in the future because you'll be accountable and you'll be taking responsibility for the things that you have done wrong.
0: And also that links quite well to if you become more self-aware of your trauma and where you're triggered is once you drop the ego, you can also realise, oh, I've been triggered here. This has made me feel this way. And realising, I'll give an example to explain this, but realising that it's not always the other person that has made you feel that way. We are all responsible to how we feel. Like another person can't make you feel something. You are feeling it. It's your choice to feel it. Obviously, if someone was punching you in the face, it is going to hurt. That's not really a choice if it's pain. But um, an example for me is in a long-term relationship I had when I was younger, so before I'd done any of this work, When I had arguments, I'd be like, it's him making me feel this way. So if he, if we were having an argument he wasn't being very nice or not even being very nice, but say he was saying, oh, I, I can't make an example. What do we even argue about? I don't know, but we're having an argument and he, I was feeling really shit and crying. It would always be, why are you making me feel? You're making me feel this way. And I'd be in my head constantly like blaming him. It's all his fault for me feeling this pain. Now I've done the work when Tris. Um, triggers me and I feel that for me it's like an overwhelming kind of adrenaline rush I realise that is my childhood wounding coming up my trauma well
1: that's a good way to pick up on it though. yeah if you yeah. feel that adrenaline running through your body
0: I always a good know sign it's mine. That
1: that's yeah. your that's your trauma
0: yeah and then then it's also realising so what has happened there Tris has triggered me that stuff has come up it's made me feel like shit but it's not Tris has made me cry or whatever it is, it's it's triggered something in me to come up and to heal. Obviously, you can address it and say, oh, I don't, I don't really like it. When you say those things, it comes across a bit hurtful. But most of the time, if you are intentional with each other and you're in a good relationship, you don't ever really want to hurt each other. And we always say this after arguments. I think you said to me the other day, I never want to hurt you. I'm not going to say anything with the intention to hurt you. Like, you mustn't think that I'm not mm. going to do this action because I want to make you cry. But sometimes it can feel like that, and I'm the same with Tris. Like, I don't want to make him feel shit, but I might trigger him, mm. and it makes your stuff come up to, and you feel shit. So being aware of that is so important, that it's not always the other person making you feel so bad. It's them triggering that stuff in you to come up to be healed. Yeah. yeah. And when would you learn to clear that and let that go, mm. it's so important. Yeah, that's
1: funny, actually, because sometimes things that maybe I say things that one person says in the relationship you may be so unconscious of the way that you're coming across you could be saying something that's not very tactful and that is slightly unkind and slightly unfair and you're not even sure of it and things like that are very important to try and pick up on and difficult to see because you don't know that you're doing it Mm -hmm. um So you may say something and you may not even realise that you're saying something in a derogatory or in an unkind way because you're so, so unconscious of it. That trauma's running so deep and I may be criticising you without even realising that I'm doing it. So those sorts of things can be difficult to to deal with because you may not even know that you're doing wrong. A lot of the time I may say something to you and I think in the back of my mind, oh shit, I shouldn't have said that. That could come across a little bit critical. Occasionally you get one of these situations where... You don't even know that you're doing something wrong. And those situations are quite hard because you'll say back to me, Tris, you said this like this. And I'll be thinking, what the fuck? No, I didn't. There was no <laughs> negative intention there, but it's so unconscious that I don't even know it's there. So those things can be difficult to work work on. And I find that those sorts of things are better to work on later on at a time when you're calm and you can go through those things. In fact, a lot of arguments tend to be difficult, at least for you and I, to to work out in the moment, especially months ago, in our relating. More recently, you can do it closer to the argument. So a lot of the time in the argument, I will want to pull away and leave the situation, regardless of who's done wrong, regardless of whatever, and Chloe will want to- um, Talk about it. <laughs> talk about it, which causes a, p- a problem on its on its own. However, for me, not talking about it at that time is definitely the, mo- the best thing to do, and I think it's probably the best thing for you to do as well. Um, But as we've got better at it, we can deal with those situations, you know, just after the argument or during the argument via various means like intentional dialogue that we'll talk about. And dropping the ego. And dropping the ego, yeah. However, the unconscious things that you don't realise that you're doing wrong in the moment, those sorts of things, maybe a little bit later in time, I think are better for us to work through. But yeah, Yeah. we could talk about um, intentional dialogue because that is a...
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I was also just going to lead on, because I think one of the points actually brings that up uh, that we'll talk about later, but I was going to lead that quite nicely, goes into one of our things that we said, is that when you are in a relationship, now this comes about like, it depends really, but I'd say... Like further into a relationship when you actually know you're going to be with someone for quite a while is is being open and vulnerable with that person about your trauma and wounding etc now if you don't know what yours is or you're like what even is that that's for you to work on your own you know you can do that through personal development books or seeing therapists anything like that that can help you with that stuff but when you are aware of your what triggers you is being really open with your partner and talking about those things because I think for us that was well, that was quite a while in like a year that we realized that, but once you know like I know with Tris that tone of voice, criticism um anything like that making you feel wrong is going to make you that's your wounding, and it makes you feel shit so then being me being more tact- tactful around those situations, if I feel Tris has done something wrong, or I don't know what he's doing is being careful how I word that because I know it can you know affect you or make you feel shit, and Tris knows that mine is. Uh, fear of rejection abandonment so if he doesn't want to see me before it'd be I'm not seeing you this is it now it's like I'm not going to see you on this day just as a reminder I do like hanging out with you I love it however I am a bit tired and busy so just that sort of affirmation helps me and with him you know using my tone of voice (laughs) and being careful or if I slip up or Trish slips up and they do it wrong it's like oh shit hang on I better give Chloe an affirmation you know like if you don't if you want to go home when we're hanging out it's like I'm not leaving you because I'm leaving you forever. I like you. And so because you're open and honest about it, you can actually help each other. You can prevent those arguments from happening. You can help the other person not feel shit. Mm. Um, And obviously everyone's got different sort of uh, things. There are obviously the kind of like more avoidant people who, yeah, might pull away at things. But then if you are one of those people, just remind your partner, I need space right now. Space doesn't mean I don't love you. It just means I need some space. So I think some people, even like when they want space, are too scared to tell their partner because they're like, Oh, they're probably going to get angry at me and think that I don't love them and I'm going to be so I'm just not going to do it. And then you are not happy. So, being honest about that sort of stuff, I think, is really important.
1: Mm, yeah. Just another thing while we were talking about um, conflict a second ago that just mm. cropped up in my mind was that occasionally in conflict situations, if you can take a pause when you feel triggered, Mm. a lot of the time it's very easy to just react. That person's criticised me. Fuck you, you shouldn't have said that to me. (laughs) However, if you can just take a pause for a moment, firstly, you can construct what you're saying in a better way that's not not blaming them for the way that they've just come across to you.
0: Mm.
1: But secondly, sometimes taking a pause and just saying nothing, letting it just sit, and saying nothing works so well because if something has been said in a negative tone, a lot of the time people can sit there and think, Hmm, maybe that was not said in the right way. Maybe I can read this doesn't work all of the time, yeah. but occasionally using this technique can work quite well because you can introspect and think, "Ooh, I said that in a bit of a harsh way. So, the
0: person that means to so say, If you said something harsh, the person who feels I'm going to react, pause before you act because it might give that person who's just said a, hurtful thing or criticizing thing a chance to think oh shit I said that Mm -hmm. Might mean say you're like um, driving along and you've got a bit of road rage because you're stuck in traffic and then you say something quite rude to your partner like oh duh you're really annoying whatever and you take out on your partner rather than you going the partner reacting and being like oh I can't believe you spoke to me like that just sit there and take time because then the person who said it might actually think oh that was quite rude. (laughs) I shouldn't have said it like that. And because you're not firing at them, like, oh, you shouldn't have spoken to me like that. Then the other person gets defensive. You start this battle. You can just sit there. Ah, Hang on a sec. Yeah, I shouldn't have said that like that.
1: Mm. Even that blame right there. Yeah. You know, as soon as someone says, you shouldn't be talking to me like that, it's like straight away you've started that ego battle. Whereas it could be calm, pause, change the tone. And then it could be, oh, I feel the way you spoke to me just then. Well, I
0: guess we might as well lead that into intentional dialogue. (laughs)
1: Didn't feel too great, yeah. Yeah. And this way you're not blaming that person and that person can consider what they've said instead of thinking, you've just attacked me back, so I'm going to attack you back. I'm going to battle my ground. Whereas if you say in a calm way, not in a blamey way, not using a bad tone, you can solve that way quicker. So
0: what Tris is talking about is intentional dialogue, so obviously you can have a google of it and it's on youtube you can watch people talking about it and it's actually something our therapist told us to do with certain like hard discussions and um intentional dialogue yeah is what just basically said so um if my thing was that i felt that Triss didn't do enough washing up it wouldn't be oh why do you never do the washing up like it's so annoying that i always do the washing up that's like not going to make the other person feel good whereas Again, so a situation, you need it to be like calm, not when you're doing the washing up, like another time. You're both in a good mood. And it's just saying, um, you tell the other person, I'm going to do some intentional dialogue, it's saying, I feel when you don't do the washing up, it makes me feel like you don't care or you don't have to do it, like you don't want to help me out, whatever it might be. And making sure it doesn't come across as blame. So I'm aware this might not be how you're intentionally making me feel, but that, that is how it's coming across. And the other person has to repeat what you've just said and say I understand that da, 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 and they basically repeat what you've just said and then you can sort of come to a way of what might be better a solution to that sort of situation
1: yeah you're putting yourself in their shoes essentially yeah.
0: but you really have to put yourself in that person's shoes so Tris would really have to think ah Chloe doesn't feel cared for when I don't do the washing up let me see what that must feel like her and think about it and think oh yeah I can understand that could actually come across like I don't care but I do care so what can I do to make that better? Maybe I'll do two days a week of drying up or whatever. If you live with someone, you can have a cleaning rotor. you know, whatever might work for you. Mm. But as soon as you say, you never do the washing up, you never, or what also happens in a lot of relationships, is things build up and then you have one explosive argument. And it's you never do this, you never do that. You don't do this. I do all this. It just all comes out at once. So instead of that, it's having a, you know, intentional dialogue and not blaming, I think is the, mm. the big point you were saying. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important
1: it's funny those sorts of things actually because you could in some situations i find that if i feel like chloe is not doing enough or if you guys feel like your partner is not doing enough you can always think in your head what do what do, this is a bit of drop in the ego what does the other person do that i don't do so if chloe doesn't do the washing up i could think hmm Is this me being am I being fair with this? And you can run through the things in your head. And quite a lot of the time you see things that you wouldn't have otherwise seen. You can think, but Chloe does this for me, she does does this for me, she does this for me. Therefore, I don't have a right to have a go at her about these things. And if you use this, you are dropping the ego a lot of the time. And even if you end up doing more of the chores than they end up doing, at some point in time, most people will realise, wow. The other does do a lot more than I do. I better start pulling my weight. And if you're with someone that's, that's uh, not doing these things and you you may get to the point where this is where intention, intentional dialogue is a more important thing to do than just accepting that the other person won't do anything. Because at some point in time, even if you don't begrudge them for it, at some point in the time, you're doing everything, they're doing nothing. You may think, I'm going to calmly leave the situation because this person doesn't want to do the work. The problem with that, however, is you're not encouraging the other person to grow. Whereas if you do intentional dialogue, you're able to communicate that, hey, hang on a sec, I think I'm doing a little bit more than you. And they have the ability to be able to introspect.
0: Yeah, they have the choice then whether they want to help and do more things. And if they don't, six months down the line, you can reassess and think, hang on, I've given them a chance to try. They're not. So, I'm going to leave rather than just like, yeah, I'm going to leave because you, you don't help me. And the other person's like, what? You never told me about that. <laughs> like, yeah, it's giving that person. And I think that's such a good example, what you said about um, thinking about what the other person does. Because there's definitely times where I'm like, oh, I come home and like, Tris has left his mug out and he hasn't washed it up. And I'm like, oh, he's so annoying or not. And then I think, hang on a sec, Chloe. When you go to his house, you've definitely done that, like left your mug out or, <laughs> or, or, what was it, leaving the toilet lid up at yours or whatever it is, like you definitely can equal it out, you know, those sort of things. Well, And that, you know, and that, takes, that is
1: dropping of the ego, isn't yeah, it? You're yeah, yeah. You're dropping the ego, you're realising, hang on, the other person does do stuff, they are good. They do do good things. Therefore, I'm not going to criticise. I'm not going to blame. Yeah,
0: yeah. Or like um, sometimes I feel like, you know, I've done the washing and stuff for you. But then I think I eat like all of Triss's nuts, which cost him hundreds of pounds. <laughs> so it kind of equals out. <laughs> like, oh, doing Triss's washing. And I'm like, actually, wait, he gives me loads of free food. <laughs> so it like equals out. And that's it. So yeah, that's really, really important. Yeah. Um, Another thing to lead on, Uh, from the like being honest about your wounding with your partner and don't hide yeah is don't hide your feelings at fear of someone leaving so um that actually also ties into the whole like codependency thing so a lot of us can start off quite codependent in relationships which is um basically where you feel this person completes me and without this person I'd be nothing all of that kind of media movie stuff which is a load of rubbish where people are like I need to find the other half of me or without this person, I'd be distraught. It's really actually quite toxic to be in a relationship like that where you need that other person. You depend on them so much for your happiness because you're putting so much of your stuff onto that other person subconsciously without them even Um, Mm realising. And that is a codependent relationship where, which I admit I have, have, and maybe you do a little bit, but like it's where, you know, if that person if you have an argument, you're like, your whole life falls apart. It's like, oh my God, we've had an argument and I can't be okay without sorting this out. Or you rely so much on them being happy with you and without them being happy with you, it's a big problem or you're so worried about them leaving.
1: Yeah, and it's pressure on them as well to, they're the one that is good in this area and therefore it's pressure on them to be good in that area. And then if they're not, it's like the blames on you. (laughs) However, if you realise that in that area, you should work on those things independently, Therefore, there's no pressure on the other to always live up to that level of expectation.
0: Yeah, and, um, and not saying something at fear of someone leaving you is just such a bad uh, situation to be in and relying on that person to make you feel secure. So, you know let's get married, let's buy a house together, let's have a baby to make you feel more secure, all those things, they don't make in real life, you know, they don't actually make things more secure. Someone can leave you at any point, things change, Life's constantly changing, feelings are constantly changing for others. Like, is the more you grow as a person, your feelings might change for your partner. So um, yeah, putting that pressure on someone and hiding how you feel. So in our relationship, we were monogamous for 10 months. Just felt that wasn't right for him. Now, he could have hid that feeling because there was, well, you thought I was going to leave you. So there was that huge risk. So you could have thought, oh, I better not tell her because she might leave me and I don't want her to leave me. And I need her in my life. And been quite codependent. But luckily, you were honest and thought, I have to tell her the truth. If she leaves me, that's just how it is. But... think that's so important and and people don't do that and and actually that's where things can lead to cheating and all sorts of things (laughs) yeah
1: well that's where it's um also like we were talking about before being yourself and not just being what the other person expects you to be Mm -hmm. because had I carried on that situation and not be myself and not ended that situation it would have ended badly anyway yeah it would have been a really really unstable relationship for a while before it ended in disaster or we broke up <laughs> yeah or it would have cheated on you so yeah. what's the point you've got you've got to be congruent with who you are right it's so, yeah. so so important
0: and if um you're pressuring your partner into marriage or living with you when they're not quite ready um because you think it's the right thing to do yes they might move in with you yes they might marry you but they if they don't feel 100 percent sure about it then they could end up leaving you five years, and it's more likely they will, actually, because you've pushed them into that situation as well. Mm. Um,
1: well, dude, the, this is the thing where it's, it's oppression, in a way. Mm. Trying to control someone to act the way that you want them to act is a situation that inevitably, long-term, is going to fail because they don't want to do it. They're doing it for you to make you happy in the short term. And at some point in time, they're going to resent that situation. They're gonna if, they want, if you want them to move in and they don't really want to, but you're giving them some ultimatum, I'm going to break up with you if you don't move in, they're going to move in and they're going to resent it. It's not going to be a fun situation yeah. anyway. So what is the point? That's where you do really have to allow people to be themselves and forcing people to be something that they're not never works out long term. It never works out.
0: And it's never fun. Any situation I've been in like with you where you've not wanted to do it, even if it's, like, a walk, like, you don't want to really go on a walk with me go on a walk. It's never fun because I know you don't really want to be there. Same with, like, hanging out with someone when they don't really want to hang out with you. It's, like, it's never fun, is it, really? Because you, you know deep down they don't really want to do it. So pushing someone into marriage, living with you, isn't it so much nicer for the other person to be like, I really want to do this. I really want to marry you or live with you. Not, yeah, okay, yeah, all right, then I'll live with you if that's what you want. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, that's not going to make you, like, feel good or yeah I think that's really important yeah um and another thing we're going to talk about is for deeper connection with your partner is learning about attachment styles and Tristan and I've only recently um read the book about this um so there's three attachment styles anxious attached um secure attached, and avoidant attached and you can do if you go on Google or buy the book, the book's really good, I definitely recommend it um You can do a quiz, work out what you and your partner are, obviously do your quizzes separately. A lot of the time you won't be the same as your partner, which is why it's really good to learn. The aim is to become securely attached and whether you're anxious and avoiding comes from your childhood, your upbringing, what's happened in your life.
1: Yeah, it's generally how you used to react in arguments when you were younger, right? When your parents have an argument, do you bang on at them and keep being needy with them or do you leave the situation and try and distance yourself and get away to have your calm it's I, generally that,
0: isn't yeah, it? yeah and they've also done studies now recently that attachment styles are also to do with how your parents um dealt with you dealt with you as a baby when you were crying so when you when your baby cries i think they said like you're more likely to be um securely attached if the parent stays in the room but doesn't go to you when you're crying so it's like they know you're there they're not coming to you, but back and uh, court, yeah. So you admit you feel secure. The baby feels more yeah. secure. They've done studies on that as well.
1: And if the mum Molly coddles you and always comes up to you, is that okay? that's a secure thing?
0: I think that was yeah. No, I think that was um. I can't remember which one was which for them. They did yeah. They did tests on it.
1: So what's the one if you reject them? If you leave the room when you're was parents, an-
0: anxious. I so think. then
1: in relationship, when you're older, you're needy in a situation because you're worried they're going to leave.
0: Yeah, yeah, it might be that one. I can't remember which one was which, but it was, what, my point was that they've done studies on how your parents are when you're a baby crying. And what was the other one? Um, oh, like brainwave cycles. They've seen that sort of stuff. What goes on when you're being triggered, like you said, in arguments and how people react. But it's very interesting to read, especially if you're single, because it affects how you how you date So if you're anxious attached, you'll be more likely to be the one that's like asking for another date, like pushing, getting worried. Needy, wanting wanting to move in quickly. Yeah, yeah, worried if there's a slight conflict. And avoidant can be a problem as well when you're dating because you're like, ah, someone's interested, run away. (laughs) And then you you don't win because you never end up in a relationship. The anxious person doesn't win because you're too needy, don't end up with someone. And normally anxious and avoidant go together, which is just a disaster because you've got the needy, pushy one, which is more me, I'm, I'm anxious attached. Tris, actually, you came out more secure, slash, a little bit of. No, you're actually a little bit anxious as well, but I know, avoidant. But I think you're more avoidant in how we play out in arguments. And it's so good to learn because it gives you loads of tips in the book. And um, mm. once you know that, just um, I really, let's just say an example is that Tris and I have an argument. Tris needs space. Is even just him saying before he leaves for his space, I'm not leaving you, but I need to go and have space. I'm going to go for a walk for an hour. Um, whereas before, at the beginning of our relationship, it'd be like, bye! <laughs> and I'd be like, ah! <laughs> end of the world. Whereas now I'm like, oh, it's okay. We had an argument, it's not the end of the world. Um, yeah, so that I think those are really important to learn about. And very interesting, yeah, like I said, even if you're single, to learn about attachment cells. And the aim is obviously to become more securely attached. Mm. Um, and securely attached obviously doesn't mean you're like avoidant you know, where you just sort of are like, oh, yeah, whatever, I'm independent. It does mean you can still have really good relationships and be close to someone. It's just how you react in situations and, Mm.
1: yeah. Yeah, you're never going to be too needy and you're never going to be too distant. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: And then, again, another one to learn about is love languages. Again, there's another book on it, or you can do the test online, read about it. So there's five love languages and we all... Have like a main two, although some of us are like lots of mixes. And it's normally what you like doing for others is your love language. <laughs> um, so there's five. There's quality time, acts of service, physical touch, words of affirmation. What's the other one? Oh, gift-giving. gift giving. Yeah. yeah. So I well hold Yeah, I know, because the other day we struggled with it. My main two are quality time, <laughs> Stuart Snow's, and, Holmes, and A little bit of, I think, words of affirmation and physical touch kind of overlap. And what were yours?
1: Mine were words of affirmation, physical touch, I think. Yeah. Obviously quality time as well.
0: Yeah, so you have, like, your main ones. And it's normally what you do to the other person. And why this is important is because Triss's isn't, for example, his quality time isn't as much for, for me. So at the beginning of our relationship, when you didn't know that, you couldn't really understand why a few hours hanging out wasn't enough for me if we were like say out because I'd be like no I want time with you alone <laughs> like doing something together and you'd be like but we've been out with other people and I'm like but I want to have time with you and when you realize like that's important for the partner or words of affirmation um if you're not a person who does words of affirmation your partner needs it then you're you won't be doing it. and they'll think that they don't love you but it's not that they don't love you. They just have, diff- people have different ways of showing love. My grandpa. Yeah. So my...
1: so noticing the things that they do to you are the things that they want mm-hmm. done to them. Mm-hmm. So if Chloe is always touching me and always <laughs> wanting a cuddle, chances are physical touch is her thing. Mm. So when I come in, give Chloe a hug because I know that she likes physical touch whereas mine may not be there so it may not be obvious for me that that's what she wants because maybe Mm -hmm. I'm not a very touchy feely person Mm -hmm. however if you can pick up on your partner's love languages you can make them feel more satisfied and more calm so it's really really important
0: yeah yeah my grandpa's um I never forget he in his relationship with my grandma was so big on acts of service so there might not have been as much like physical touch and if my grandma's one was that He wasn't so good at showing it, but his way of showing love was he was always doing things for her, like driving her everywhere, getting stuff for her, you know, also a bit of gift-giving. My mum's is gift-giving. My mum just always is buying me things. Like, that's her way of expressing love. And then when you learn about it, you realise, huh, if that's my mum's and I buy my mum some stuff, she's going to feel really appreciated. And when you do buy my mum something, she does feel it. So it can work with friendships as well, or parents, siblings, um.
1: Yeah, you yeah. girls are very good at giving each other gifts. I noticed that maybe most girls like giving gifts.
0: Yeah, and like remembering birthdays and doing cards. I think girls are quite good at that sort of stuff, aren't they? Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: Like when it's been your family's birthday, I'm like, should we get a card? And you're like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't even really think Waste about the it. Waste of fucking money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Make a card instead. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so learning about that's really important. Uh. Well, not really important, but it can help you... Deepen your connection with your um partner.
1: Even after an an argument, um, that's a great time to realise that my partner probably wants their love languages given to them.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, that's a good point actually. So it's probably
1: quite a useful thing to do. She probably wants some quality time an and some yeah. physical touch. And some, you yeah. like
0: you definitely need like words of affirmation after an argument. Yeah. Yeah.
1: After I've been heavily criticised. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so do I. I need those words of affirmation.
0: Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. That's very good. Or if someone was um, theirs was like acts of service, you might go and like make them a nice cup of tea. And that can make them feel really good like oh they make me like that's really nice and gift giving as well I think people think that gift giving is like buying these luxurious gifts but it can be if you're one of those people that like picks up a shell on the beach when you're on a romantic walk with your partner and then gives it to them as a gift like you know and that person's like oh wow like I love that you remember that and that thing it doesn't have to be expensive things it can be buying really small things that that person likes is yeah. a way of expressing love mm. um, so learning about those as well so the last point we're going to talk about on this podcast is to deepen your relationship, your connection and your relationship is get to know who you are as a person in a relationship. So working on yourself separately. Obviously, it's great to do work together with your partner, but this is now going to be about you. So if you're single as well, this could be great for you. Um, what what did you want to say on this?
1: Um Yeah, working out who you are is an interesting one because a lot of the time people don't know what they want. Chloe thought she was monogamous (laughs) when we started dating, but have you actually thought about whether you're monogamous or is it the social conditioning? Is it the trauma and not feeling good enough on your own and needing someone to be there all of the time? And these things are quite difficult to work out. Um, One way of realising who you are can be to see the reasons that you're doing things we've spoken about this in podcasts before so are you doing things for validation of other people that's a great one if the external validation is the thing that's making you do the thing chances are that the thing is because you want other people to think you're good therefore you're doing it so you're doing it more for others than you are for yourself so if that is one of the major things while you're doing certain things, while you're going to the gym and working on your booty, maybe that might be an example of it. Getting six-pack abs. Is it because you're going to get more external validation from people, therefore you want that thing? Or is it truly who you are? You just fucking love going to the gym. And it could be that. However, realising that the external validation is the thing that's fueling it is a good way to realise that possibly that's not you and who you really are. Not one of your, the things that you've been put on this planet for. is not for that that's one of the one of the really important things to to look at to realize if you are doing things in line with and being congruent to your your soul yeah
0: yeah and that's um what you're saying about monogamous it's the same thing with marriage kids living with someone is it because your parents got married is it because your friends are all getting married social is that pressure, yeah social right? pressure yeah especially when you get to our age like 30 you know everyone's having kids moving in all that. Stuff. you think oh that's the right thing to do everyone gets married at this age You've been with someone for six years, or oh, why haven't they proposed? You know, like that's a thing that you should do. So, working out whether is that really what you want, mm. like?
1: And um, you know. these things, you have to be congruent with who you are at this point in time. So, mm. me at this point in time, I'm I'm non-monogamous. I've I've realised that I'm definitely not monogamous. That has that just doesn't make sense to me. You know, I've made this decision that that's not even though everyone else thinks this way. I'm dropping the social conditioning. I'm not listening to the social pressure of others. I think that that's not right for me at this moment in time. That's trusting myself who I am now. However, the further that I delve into the unfolding of my character and breaking down my social conditioning, at some point in time, I may realise I only want to be non-monogamous for the external validation, for example. So Mm. you have to be congruent to what you believe and who you think you are at this point in time. However that's always going to be fluid. And I feel like that's another thing where us humans should be more fluid in the way that we make decisions and less dogmatic. It shouldn't be, I'm going to be this way forever because so many times in my life, especially, I've realised that I've said I'm going to be this way forever and then years down the line I've changed that thought. So being fluid and saying... This is possibly what I want forever. And maybe our change in the future is so, so important because you are constantly I mean, changing. yeah,
0: that's one of our reasons why we personally are like not too keen on conventional marriage just because you have to commit to someone for all your life. And how do you know how you're going to feel about them in 10 years? But that's another topic. But. That's really important as well, like yeah, so being being honest, I mean, Triss and I'd never ever have once said that we'll be love each other forever, because how can you promise how you'll feel in the future? Yeah. You can't. How yeah. many
1: ex-girlfriends and boyfriends have you said that? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. do you still love them to this day yeah. in that same way I love
0: I'll love you till the day I die, and it's like how yeah, how do you know like that's gonna happen like mm. you know, it's you just,
1: foolish really, to, to mm. say, isn't it? When yeah. you look back, I look back at love letters and think oh, it was cute at the time, but. <laughs> man, I was misinformed. And... Yeah,
0: yeah. So getting to know yourself is um really important and what you want and, um yeah, yeah, being fluid. And if you can find a partner who's also fluid and happy with change and thing, that's also important. Because what if at the moment you're like, yeah, I want to live in the UK. I'm really happy with how I'm going. But then in five years' time, you're like, you know what, actually, I actually want to travel. But you're with a partner who you've told, I'm never going to go and travel on my own. Like, I want to live with you forever. Then you're stuck. So being aware that if your partner is also cool with change, that's, you know, really good.
1: Mm. And again,
0: that comes down to being open and honest with your partner about how you're feeling at certain times. So um, if I got to a point where I was like, mm, I'm not really happy being non-monogamous anymore, you know, changing, taking, saying to us, I'm not happy with this anymore you know i want to change things up you might be able to come to a collusion together but yeah really important with that being honest with how feelings are or mm. yeah what's going on for you at that time um yeah. and not like again that comes to not hiding your feelings or hiding what's going on but i think i just know so many people who are in long-term relationships who've told me things how they feel but they don't want to tell their partner because they're worried it will cause all this eruption and then they'll leave them and then they'll have no one. And...
1: So you might as well sit in the sort of pain forever <laughs> is the, uh, the kind of bargain that they're yeah. taking with themselves, which seems slightly crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm working through that trauma, like we said, in the inner child stuff. And if you're listening to this, like, oh, I have no idea where to even start with that just if you can afford it obviously therapy is a a great way but there's so many self-help books out there and podcasts and all this stuff talking about um those sort of things and just looking up on the internet about you can just google it you know um psychodynamic therapy looks at inner child beliefs and all that sort of stuff
1: even um i found meditating even Mm. meditating i get glimpses of the reasons that i've been put on this planet Mm. I get glimpses of this is what I need to be doing with my life. I get glimpses of, I don't need to be doing this anymore. Certain bad habits that you've had, that I've had in meditation. I've realised actually, why am I doing this? I don't need to be doing that. That's bad for me. That's not who you really are. So meditation can be a a great way to access those things.
0: And Tristan and I use the Wim Hof method, which we highly recommend. That's really good for that sort of stuff as well. Mm. Um. So, yeah, I think that is really important and doing it separately. There's a, um as I was talking about earlier, about being codependent. There's codependency, then there's independence, which is where sometimes people come out of a codependent relationship. They're like, that's it. I'm going to be on my own. I don't need anyone. <laughs> I'm all good on my own. That's independent. Then you get interdependence, which is where you are independent, but you're almost with someone. So you can be, how I imagine it in my head, like two little circles, which are you with your partner. You're like that. So you, come together like the two little circles but you're not overlapping whereas I feel like a lot of people overlap each other's circles and almost become each other but this is two little circles plodding along through life next to yeah. each other yeah, like so you're that. able to do your own thing and not yeah it's not like the normal soulmate where you're each other's half so it's not like each other's half of the circle you're your own circle plodding along through life together doing your own thing and that's interdependence so you're not relying on the other for the love and the validation but you are with someone
1: Because I think
0: that people think that when they're independent, like, yeah, I'm all good on my own. I don't need anyone. But that's also a, that is trauma there being like, I'm not going to get hurt. I'm not going to get in a relationship. Like, stay away. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, working through that stuff is really, really important. Obviously, we all go through these stages and it's good to do it. Go through codependency, independency and then interdependency. Mm. Um, And again, that's also through like trial and error of dating people. (laughs) I've dated lots of people in my life and you realise quick, like, oh shit, this person's not for me or they are. And again, that that helps with dating because when you're more aware, you can pick up on things so quickly and others like red flags. But I did not like that behaviour. That is narcissistic. What could that lead to further down? You know, guys have been really rude to me before, very arrogant and talk to me in degrading ways. And I think, nope, bye. But the old me would have been like, oh, he really likes me. Oh, I'm going to date him.
1: (laughs) Yeah well that's a you you there's so much trauma there and there's so much lack of self love that you feel like yeah I'll put up with this sort of thing because I'm not that good maybe it's that kind of thing or I'm so insecure I'll never get anything better so you end up putting up with this bullshit you know horrible guys treating you horribly because you don't have those things so that's that's why working on those things is so important because otherwise you're going to be in those sorts of relationships Mm -hmm. forever if you never start working through them
0: yeah yeah you're always
1: going to attract that reflection self-love is so important as well
0: yeah and that's um just quickly, last point is that the mirror thing of what you said, a reflection is, I always see when you're in a relationship with someone, if, especially if it's longer term, most people are a reflection of you and where you are in your life. Um, I've, had, I've said it myself in the past and friends have said it is, oh, he's doing that and he's doing that, so they're talking about their partner or she's doing that. And it's like, normally that person is a reflection of you. Like, <laughs> you know, you can see your own stuff within that other person. Um, obviously you can, can get to a point where you outgrow them but most of the time people are just it's basically when the mirror it's like me holding up a mirror in front of me and like the s- stuff that comes up with Tris it's just my stuff going to him and coming back at me basically that's what it's like when they're like a mirror of you mm. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah I think that probably concludes it quite well yeah it's been quite a long podcast
1: yeah great <laughs> yeah thank you so much for watching guys and um please like and subscribe and share if you think that this content is some badass shit yeah it'd be much appreciated
0: yeah thank you guys thanks guys bye